0: Hello, tennis family. Welcome back and bonjour. I can say that now because we're in the middle of the French Open now. So that's I've been waiting to say that for so long. I'm so happy you could join the chat this week because it's going to be a great one today. It really is. We have so much to catch up on. We're in the middle of a Grand Slam, so so much going on there. Plus, we're spending some quality time today and getting to know a former WTA, world number 21 from the Ukraine, Diana Yastremska. And I really don't want to hype this episode up too much, but this chat is unlike anything she's done before. Whatever you may think or know of Diana, just throw it out the window because this interview is a completely raw look at a player that has definitely had her share of struggles both on and off court. I think we all know some of her story with the doping allegations and Obviously, her horrible experience right now going through a war back home in her country, and she talks a lot on the show about not getting that energy to be able to recharge to go back home when she wants to like other players do. So there's a lot to go into today. I, I really can't think of a player that's had to struggle with as much as she has in a very long time. And this chat today covers it all really really excited for everyone to hear this there's definitely some intense moments today but i've got to say she deals with a lot and she powers right through and she has a lot to say and i think everyone's going to be very interested with hearing what she does have to say there's also some fun moments too there really is so i think her personality really comes out in this episode but first we have some french open to talk about today and i have the super fan of tennis super fans joining me it's our friend of the pod jonah sobel follow him at jonah tennis on twitter if you're in the twitterverse Jonah, welcome back to the States. How are you?
1: Oh, John, I am so happy to be talking (laughs) to you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, you're fresh off this like dream French open vacation. And I mean, you're taking selfies with Ostapenko, you're jinxing Camilla Osorio, you're at parties (laughs) with Kasakina and Petkovic. There's so much to talk about today. I'm so excited. But happy Pride Month, by the way.
1: Thank you so much, John. Happy Pride Month to you.
0: Uh, Let's talk about how gay you were in Paris for a minute, because (laughs) I saw a lot of tweets. I saw a lot of photos and I loved every second of it. Can we start at the beginning? Because I want absolutely everything. When did you get to Paris? Tell us everything, Jonah.
1: Oh, man, John. So it starts... Monday night, I fly in to Germany, where I miss my connecting flight to Paris by 30 minutes. Oof,
0: but you have this great like bagel and baguette in your future, so it's okay, right? It's. Funny. I know. <laughs> I,
1: I finally get into Paris that night at midnight. I, I sleep a solid seven hours. Somehow, I wake up in Paris roughly around 8 in the morning, and I immediately go hunting and gathering for some goods because the one thing i know about the french open that i researched beforehand is you can bring your own food into the grounds
0: what a helpful hint that is thank you that's awesome. oh man can i just set this up because i think you know uh, we know each other quite well and you know you're a friend of the pod you've done this show a couple times now and you've told us you know a lot about your fandom but this is your first french open experience and you went by yourself i mean this is like uh a Julia Roberts kind of moment where we're just traveling the world and you know you're on your own your own vacation I love this you know this is very cool bucket list right
1: it truly like not only was this my first ever French Open but it was my first Grand Slam since my dad surprised me when I was 14 for US Open tickets and I got to watch Sam Stoser play Elena Dementieva at one in the morning that's so cool on Arthur Ashe so that was also 13 years ago so that being said The French Open was unlike any experience I've ever had as a tennis fan. The accessibility that the fans had to the courts was immediately noticed on the first day. I was there from day three of qualifying, day four of qualifying, day one of the tournament and day two of the tournament.
0: Okay, so like a little cross section, you know, you got to see every you got to see the practices, you got to see the players walking around. Plus, they start on Sunday there, which you know, is a little taboo. But it looked packed. It looked so packed. I was so excited. And I was like, yo, Jonah's there. Jonah's taking those selfies. He's there on that Sunday. I know he is. (laughs) So tell me, set the scene, because I saw, all right, you go to Qualys. We're going to talk about the matches in a minute, because there were some great matches in that four-day time period, but... You were texting me from a Racket Magazine party, so I know you were hopnobbing, chatting around with all these great players, and you were like, there's Pekovic over there, and oh, there's Pavlichenko over there, and there's, you know, I was like, he's living the dream. He's living the fandom. He's living the moment. This is his Parisian kind of escape. This is the vacation of all vacations. So you go to Racket Magazine. Was it a cool party?
1: Was it super fun? It was the coolest party I've ever been to, John. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have even dreamt of types of parties in my dreams. I mean, to have a casual conversation with Zhang Zhizhen, who's now in the third round. Yeah, He was so kind just to have a conversation with someone like that, or it's not even weird. And I got to tell him how much of a fan I was after watching him play at the, uh, the US Open and the Australian Open on TV and how I know he's going to have a, an incredible week and he ended up having one. So I'm not a total jinx, which is amazing. But that being said, uh, it, it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had as a tennis fan, just to be able to mingle and meander and meet other tennis fans, but also have the guts to approach coach tennis players that I've admired and respected for, it feels like for some of them, almost half of my life.
0: (laughs) No, it's so cool to see them out of the element too, right? They're not on the court. They're a little more relaxed. Some have cocktails in their hands. I'd love to know who, because you know, those are the fun, those are the fun players. But um, yeah, it looked really fun. I was so... Happy for you that you got that exposure. So Racket Magazine, super fun. You got to talk to Petko. You talked to Pavlochenkova. You got to talk to some superstars, right?
1: I got to approach Petra Martich in the wine line and (laughs) tell her how much I loved her kick serve, which I didn't know I wanted to do until that moment, which was amazing. Uh,
0: A Parisian wine line with Petra Martich sounds exactly what I had hoped for. Exactly. (laughs) It's exactly what I (laughs) hoped for. All right, so then after this amazing party you, you know, you ride home with Petra Marchich after the wine line, you you share an Uber together back to the hotel. <laughs> and the next day, let's talk a little bit about some um, players, because I know you're such a fan. And that's one of the reasons I love to do this show, because we're such big fans of tennis. And when you get to meet and get to know these players on a different level, there's a different level of fandom that comes with that. And you see them totally differently. You know, you cheer them on differently. You, you know, there's just this great, I don't know, there's this great feeling when somebody you know, and you've had a conversation with and has been so nice, right? And has been so welcoming. You know, you you want them to win. It's really cool. It's a different level of fandom. You know, I'm really hoping to go to Paris next year. And I think everyone should go at least once, right? Everyone. It's such a cool experience. Do you have any hints or tips for anybody who's planning a trip for next year?
1: Absolutely. Don't be afraid to take the metro. Try to get there 45 minutes before match time at the very least. Mm. Don't be afraid to bring in food. I have so many food recommendations. Don't feel afraid to DM me. I promise you I don't bite. I am full of Paris recommendations. I promise you that. I personally brought in croissants from Maison Isabel. which I highly recommend. <laughs> they stayed fresh in my bag, which you're, you're allowed to bring in backpacks as long as they're within 15 liters or less. So fun little fact there. Overall, though, it was a fantastic fan experience. I got to watch every single match I wanted to watch pretty much. Like, yeah, there were some line issues here and there, but not really, because sometimes you would wait in line for like 10 minutes for a match at most. And I mean, it's crowded. It's a grand slam. Something to definitely keep in mind as well is the first weekend of the tournament, that first Sunday and Monday, it's a holiday weekend. So expect it to be filled with people.
0: Well, you talked about the matches, I, gosh, I've been glued to my television and this time change, you wake up to the matches, they're already in full swing as soon as you wake up in the States. So it's kind of exciting, because your first thing I'm doing is checking scores when I wake up, it's kind of a fun habit that I've formed, right? Let's start with the men, because this week in men's tennis has been, uh, I don't think as exciting as the women's side. But for me, You know, I'm still very interested in this. And there's been a couple moments the past week that really kept me interested. For me, I'll start with the Kokonakis and Warrenka battle. I thought that was really fun, especially since they have a little history. It's a little shady history there. If you know that backstory, go Google it because it's right front and center. But um, yeah, no, that was kind of an interesting match. I always love a renaissance. We're gonna talk about veterans today. And Warenka to me is, you know, I love a future Hall of Famer, Stan Warenka. I mean, I always cheer for him too. That Sinner and Altmaier five-set rumble. I mean, that was a third third round rumble. That was so crazy. That was a crazy match. I mean, right? Did you get to watch any of that?
1: I watched that final set. I was blown away by the guts of both of them, where they would return overheads with such ease of forehands and swatted away as a passing shot. It was such incredible to watch. I would say Suzanne Longlock has the best fan experience when it comes to watching a tennis match? Oh,
0: my gosh, man, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of these stories. For me, I want to get your take since you were there too, but as somebody who's watching tennis from my television these two frenchmen really captivated me monfi you know that comeback in that first round and then lukakue you know these great stories on the frenchmen you know they're so happy so emotional so happy to be there and compete and win those matches and that really gave me some goosebumps the first couple of days so that was really cool to see but i think my favorite moment on the men's side is the press conference for daniel medvedev because for the first time i realized that um we have something in common and he was bitching and complaining <laughs> he had all these great quotes it was like clay's dirty it messes up your shoes i can't wait to you know get off you know get off the clay i just thought okay this is the first time that i have something in common with the Neil medvedev this is pretty great so those are mine what was your men's highlight while you were there what what did i miss from the television that i should have been watching live
1: oh wow I will say getting to watch players like Zhang Zhizhen and Luca Pui were incredible experiences. Court 14 is probably my favorite court to watch tennis at the French Open besides Suzanne Langlan. It, it's like an arena of, of sorts, and it's, it's great for grounds pass and you get to have a good seat anywhere it just feels like almost like pia tringley oh in rome and it has this beautiful view on the tv as well but uh it doesn't even do it justice compared to watching a match there
0: oh gosh well you know what there was a lot of great matches on the ladies side and that's kind of where my focus has been because it's really fun and exciting to watch plus there's been some fantastic tennis from americans on the ladies' side, too, some unassuming Americans. Even for us, I mean, we weren't expecting the likes of Kayla Day and Bernarda Pera and I'm sorry to say, Peyton Stearns, who ended the run of <laughs> your fave, Jonah. I'm really sorry. I can't. We'll get to Ostapenko in a second, but of course, they're joining. The big guns they are joining Pagula and Coco. And so great to see Sloan playing some great tennis again, too. You know, from the the lead up tournaments to throughout the French, she's been playing some great tennis. But um, I
1: will say uh, I may be a big Ostapenko fan, but I really feel like I'm a fan of the WT more than anything. So, well,
0: you know, you're Ostapenko's biggest fan now. I think, you know, I heard a a little rumor that, you know, she even messaged you back on Instagram. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You heard that. Can you
0: confirm or deny that? (laughs) You're now Instagram buddies with Yelena Ostapenko. Is this not your dream? We've talked about Ostapenko for like years now. And you finally get the DM <laughs> from her. That's big news, Jonah.
1: That was wild. It, it, waking up to that was the most insane experience.
0: Another player that I have been following. I mean, this crazy, crazy run of Mira Andriva. I mean, I told you the other day, it's hard for me to to love like a new player. I'm a very set in my ways, old school I love a veteran. I love a tried and true warrior, journey woman who's been on the tour just through the thick of it, playing at you know fifty thousand challengers all the way through her career. I love all that. You have this young phenom who is lighting up the tennis world right now. Every interview that she does, I am laughing. I am smiling. I am saying this girl was born in what year? I mean, I I'm just like I just turned sixteen. That's crazy. She's sixteen years old. She's sixteen years old, and she is. My new favorite player right now. I mean, it is so exciting to watch. And coming through qualifying, beating Alison Risk, Armitrage. I mean, a veteran. And then uh, Diane Parry. I mean, such great matches. And playing the third round match against Coco, such a great match. Such a fun, fun match. This girl's personality is how you do it. I mean, this is exactly what you want in your wta play that's what i want i mean all this fangirling of you know andy murray and Ons deboer and and all you know everything we've been listening to all week she's like us you know she could be anybody right she's so great it, it's just it was really cool to see i don't know i don't know what you think of andreva if you got to see her at all
1: i did i will say the top two highest quality qualifying matches that i saw one of them was just versus sasha vickery in qualifying Ooh. In round two it was incredible and the other one was camilla osorio versus mira andreva in the round three of qualifying and that was some beautiful tennis i will say that john
0: well let's talk about osorio because i mean this was definitely the story of the first week on your twitter because (laughs) i remember you taking a selfie with her and posting it and i was so excited and then you know the draw comes out she loses to andreva right which you know that a lot of people have lately. It makes sense, right? She's playing some great tennis. Absolutely. And then she doesn't get into the draw. Obviously, she's a lucky loser, but then all these players start pulling out, right? We get all these notices, and we had so many. Was there three, four? How many players pulled out? There were so many.
1: Eventually, it was six, six but it started hours. out as four on the final day of qualifying.
0: Exactly, right? On the final day. So four pull out, and you, know, you tell her, right? Tell me the story. Tell everybody the story.
1: Oh, boy. So... I am in the selfie line at the end of the match and Camilla is just signing everything, taking selfies with everyone, despite having a brutal loss as someone that just lost their guarantee being in the French Open that year to someone that was five years younger than her and she's 21 years old. So having watched her kindness, I, I wanted to cheer her up because you could see that she wasn't, of course, in the happiest place. So I said to her, just so you know, Cami, Paola, Isla. And Patricia Tigg withdrew. So there are people that are withdrawing. You have a really great chance of getting in. And she immediately just started crying. I was blown away by, first off, immediately almost being scared of what I just did. Because if for some reason she did not end up getting in, I was going to be so upset. And I will say when the lucky loser draw came out, she was picked last. She was picked sixth out of six. They were going to pick four out of six. And she was drawn sixth, and I felt so bad for her. Yeah,
0: how can you not? I mean, uh, gosh, you know. And was she the top seed in the draw, too?
1: She was the top seed in qualifying. exactly. So she was 81 in the world entering the tournament. It was the cutoff of the qualifying ranking was weeks before her Rome run, where she beat Caroline Garcia to make a round of 16 in that tournament. So definitely a fantastic run from her.
0: Well, what a great story, though. You know, that's always such a fun... uh,
1: I know. And she...
0: you know, she made the most of it. She won her first round match.
1: She didn't find out she got into the draw until day two of Roland Garros, which really doesn't happen. So on that Monday, I end up going to her match, watch her win seven, five in the third. She immediately goes to me at the end and gives me a high five. And I'm just like, feel yes. so vindicated because I had been getting some messages on Twitter saying how much I jinxed <laughs> Cammie. And, well, and I, I kind of did. I mean, you did I, though, but you did. <laughs> hey,
0: like you said, I mean, it's not just about having favorites. It's about supporting the WTA. And, and there's so many great players. And, you know, I do want to mention really quick, you know, another great story for me, Svitolina, you know, making the fourth round, you know, beating Trevisan in the first round, Storm Hunter, Blankova, that rematch of the final in Strasbourg. 2. Everyone hates that. You got to hate that. When you play somebody the, the following week, you know, Blankova was like, oh, gosh, but um, I loved it. I mean, I just thought it was so cool. And Didn't we see some like weird stats? There was like some cool stat. about Yeah,
1: so it says, according to KR Tennis underscore ENG on Twitter, two Ukrainian players in the third round of the Roland Garros women's singles draw five out of seven years in a row now um, have made the third round, which is pretty incredible.
0: I love it. We had Serenko and Svitolina in the third round this year. And, you know, there was another player who did qualify and speaking of qualifying and uh, and did play in this tournament this year. And yeah, and that's our guest this week. And she had a very tough draw, as you mentioned, that uh, Sasha Vickery match, who we love. But, um, you know, I I do want to say that uh, Ukrainian tennis is in good hands with this bunch of talented women right now. And I really am excited. I do want to transition to this episode because uh, there's a lot to be excited for. And I I didn't know what to expect from Diana in this interview, Jonah, I really didn't. And um, it's funny, because this episode was recorded on the eve of her 23rd birthday, which is so young. And she immediately says, No, it's not young. I'm not young. I I don't feel young. And I thought, okay, you know, well, you know, that's just something someone says. But after I listened to this episode and after I felt it and, and listened to it back, the things that this woman has been through, the, the things that she's gone through in her career, all this, you know, this horrible war that's going on in the world right now, it's it's so sickening to hear her talk about what her life is like right now and not being able to go home when she wants to. It's, it was really sad. But, you know, she's quite vulnerable in this episode yeah, there's this really terrible experience from a couple of years ago, these doping allegations and the social media hate that she had was really, really terrible for her. And, you know, she talks a lot about um, the mental side of playing tennis and having to cope with that and deal with that. And, and still to this day, she loses a match. And the first thing people will say is, you know, you're a doper. And she's like, what do I have to prove? You know, you can read online. I-, I was cleared. There was nothing that I did. And still to this day, that's the first thing people want to go to. And it was really tough. You know, we had that moment in Madrid with Bouchard too. And, you know, she had to end up taking it back. And it was really tough for for her and her family i mean it's really tough to hear and that week especially was extremely tough because her grandfather passed away and we talk about her grandfather who introduced her to tennis as well and she's such a family person i mean it's so nice to hear too on this episode because there's so many terrible stories we hear from these players who have these horrible tennis parents and she's so close to her family so close to her sister who she's played a couple pro tournaments with and yeah it was just a really great episode the the first half of the show especially there's a lot of reflection from her there's a lot of vulnerability in this conversation and i just love doing shows like this because it's a great way to feel her vibe and a great way to feel who she is at the core so jonah thanks for sharing all about your fun trip to paris i was super jealous and i think we should go next year that's what i think i'm already
1: looking (laughs) at airbnbs again so
0: thank you for listening everybody today we are trying to grow our show and share these stories as much as possible Uh, I'm a team of one, so if you like today's show, please share it on Twitter or on Instagram. And if you have a quick moment, please write a nice review on Apple Podcast. But more importantly, please tell Diana if you enjoyed the show on her social media, because she reads all her comments you're going to hear on this episode. She loves to read her comments. And God knows she's been through a lot these past couple years. And uh, so a little kindness goes a long way. I'll leave you with that. But um, I can't wait for you all to hear getting to know Diana Yastrzemska.
2: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank
3: you. I mean, they always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So (laughs) it happened before it's going to happen again.
0: Imagine going to work every day, trying your very best to perform at a level that will bring you success while simultaneously having no idea what was happening back home with family and friends as an actual war breaks out in your very own backyard. Our guest today has been dealing with emotions that most of us can't even imagine ever since February 24th, 2022. Born in Odessa, Ukraine, she'd have a successful junior career by reaching the 2016 Wimbledon Junior Singles Final as well as the Australian Open Doubles Final and would climb to number six in the world on the ITF Junior Rankings. She'd transition quickly to professional tennis, as she'd win her first of three career ITF singles events in March of 2016. And in just two short years, at only 18 years old, she'd win her very first of three WTA singles titles by winning the 2018 Hong Kong Open. After an impressive run by reaching the finals of the WTA 500 event in Adelaide, Australia, back in 2020, she'd reach a career high of number 21 in the world. And with career wins over seven former number ones, like Venus Williams, Garbinia Megarutha, Victoria Azarenka, and Iga Sriantek, it's no surprise how her aggressive game style continues to defeat the legends of the game. In recent years, she's had to confront and overcome several obstacles that have kept her off the court, but now on the eve of her 23rd birthday, she's putting together a solid start to the season and is committed and focused on once again rejoining the upper echelon of the WTA elite. Our guest this week is the fantastic... Diana, Yastremska. Diana, what a pleasure to meet you. Hello. Hello, hello. Laskava <laughs> Prosimo. Yeah? Did I do okay? Yeah, that was okay.
3: Yes, yes. <laughs> your Ukrainian is very good, actually. <laughs> I like your accent.
0: Well, thank you. Let me try this one because I've been practicing this one for a moment. Zemnarogenia. Yeah?
3: Yes. Okay, <laughs> <doctor>. good. I, <laughs> yes.
0: I just said, everyone knows Ukrainian out there, of course, but <laughs> I, I just said, you know, this is a special episode today because it's actually your birthday very soon. I mean, happy birthday. That was happy birthday. I don't know if that was pretty good.
3: Thank you. Yes, I'm going to be 23. I feel so old.
0: (laughs) Do you? Because I was just going to say, I mean, 23 is so young.
3: No, it's not so young.
0: (laughs) I mean, Diana, you've had such a long career already. When you start out as young as you have, I mean, it seems like you've had three careers already almost. I mean, you've you've (laughs) gone through the ringer with so many things. Honestly, after doing all this research in your career, it's remarkable how you've maintained So much focus. And I'm so glad we get to talk through so many of your career highlights today, because I can't believe this. You played your first level tour match at 15 years old. I mean, that is insane. And now you're going to turn 23. I mean, time flies so fast. Do you feel like you're a veteran right now on tour? Do you feel like you've been playing for so long?
3: I feel like my my career is going like so much up down up down and it feels like I'm starting and finishing like playing tennis like already three or four times. It's gonna sound really weird, but in twenty eighteen that was the year when I won my first double tournament. Yep. And I felt like my career is just starting. In 2019, I had like some troubles, some problems, but then I won another two tournaments. If I remember well. Yeah, we're gonna talk about (laughs) it for sure. Yeah, see, I don't even remember (laughs) because it feels for me like it was so long time ago. And but time flies super fast and now it's already like 2023 I'm going to be 23 years old and well <laughs> I hope now my career going to go up again I'm trying my best to get back where I've been before and to get even much more better but it's going pretty hard <laughs>
0: It is, but, you know, we're going to talk about it. You've had some great wins this clay season already. Like you said, you've gone through a lot. This feels like two or three careers.
3: Yeah, I had a lot of
2: problems.
3: (laughs) So
0: many. But, you know, you deserve a big old birthday party, and it's your birthday this week. So we're going (laughs) to celebrate Diana Yastremska for sure, in this episode today. (laughs) Hopefully you have a nice dinner planned. I know you're in Italy right now. Your birthday's in a couple of days. Are you are you planning something? Are you going to dinner at least?
3: So, to be honest, I thought I'm going to be in Rome for my birthday and then I'm going to go to Paris because Rome is one of my favorite cities and I celebrated there my birthday already two times and I feel like this city is very very similar to Odessa where I am from from mm. Ukraine and the architecture is very similar. And it really reminds me of home because I guess uh, it was built by Italian and French architects. So when I'm in Rome, it feels like home, to be honest. Oh. And I got really sad that I have to leave Rome. Fortunately, I lost there. And I was more sad that I'm not going to celebrate my birthday <laughs> there. than I lost. To be honest.
0: Hey, things happen for a reason. Maybe you're going to have the the dinner of your lifetime. Who knows? Right. I mean, come on, <laughs> this could happen. I think this is good.
3: Yeah. And right now I'm in Florence and I'm okay. playing tournament here. So the first round actually starts on Monday and Monday is my birthday day. But I really hope I'm going to play Tuesday so I can celebrate my birthday from 14 9, to 15. <laughs> That's
2: right. That's right. And- I love it.
3: Yes, yeah, and I don't have any plans right now. Okay. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I have my two coaches here, and I have just one friend from Ukraine that she's also here. So maybe we will go for a dinner, but I have to find really a good restaurant because, you know, I like
0: <laughs> I'm gonna text you some amazing places. I've been to Florence a couple times. I'm at, yes, after the please. show, I'm gonna give you some, some a great birthday spot. Do you have a, you know, I grew up, I love birthdays, you know, because I grew up uh, very poor, actually, and it wasn't really fun to have great birthdays as a kid for me. And now as an adult, you know, I'm a little, more, you know, I, I'm I'm doing okay now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I celebrate my birthday every single year. I go out, I, I make sure we travel, we do something fun all the time. Do you have a favorite birthday memory growing up? Do you have like, as a kid, do you have that, that party?
3: Yes. Of course, yeah, I do have. Well, first of all, is that I think on my birthday I always been traveling, and mm-hmm. well, when I played juniors in May, there was always tournament in Italy as well, in Milan. Mm. There was a great A under 18. And most of the time I spent my birthday at the tournament. But I always been celebrating after Roland Garros or after Wimbledon when I was going back home to Ukraine. Because there is all my friends and I love to celebrate my birthday. But the the most what I remember is my 18th birthday. Because on 14th, in 2018, on 14th of May, I played the finals of Hungry K in yeah. France. And after that, I knew that I'm going to be 18 and I was thinking about like how should I celebrate and I don't have really like a lot of time and that was the first time since maybe like seven or eight years that I'm going to be at home for my birthday Mm. so I arrived to Odessa late evening on 14th of May and on 15th of May I wake up and my parents are telling me that okay so the plan is like this. You go salon, then you have to meet there, 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 there. And then at certain time, you have to be at the special place. And oh my God, I was so shocked because when I arrived to the place where there was a party, but I didn't know anything, and they were preparing the party like half year, there was hundreds of people. Oh my uh, There was a firework. My father made, by his own, he made for me a firework that was like five minutes with a special music oh well, it gosh. was even longer like seven minutes and i was super surprised and what i remember the most is how i was going down by stairs to the place where was all the guests and my grandfather who died on 26th of april i'm so he, sorry um, i'm so
0: sorry about that Absolutely,
3: yeah it was actually it happened before my match with bouchard in madrid
2: Ugh.
3: it was super hard to go and play there but I it was it's a really hard time because he was the one who opened the door for me into the tennis life and that birthday I remember the most especially how hard to express the feelings because when you know when you don't know nothing when you go down by stairs with your grandfather and it was super nice oh my I gosh. remember that a lot.
0: Your 18th birthday was a lot different from my birthday, a lot different. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing, Diana. I love that.
3: My parents, I think, I think they. They really tried their best to make it for me as good as possible because they knew that all my life I was traveling and I yeah. could never have a right time to celebrate. So they really wanted to make it very memberful. Oh, and, that's uh, so, yeah, special.
0: That so special. That is so special. It really
3: nice. Really special. To
0: feel the love in the room when you walk in like that and all these people like being there for you. I mean, that's an amazing feeling.
3: It was in Adessa near the, near the sea, on the beach, it was the open area. it was very warm and it was nice weather, nice atmosphere. They put it a big, how, how do you call the stand where the artists are oh, yeah. singing? Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. That is- so
3: they put it that into the sea. <laughs> it, it was super nice.
0: This is so cool. I want to see pictures now. Now yeah. I'm like very interested in this.
3: I have to, I have some pictures on my Instagram.
0: Good. I'm going to go look. But I will say when you retire, you've spent so many years traveling for your birthday in Italy. You're going to have this like with your family. You're going to be like, oh, I have to go to Italy every year for my birthday now. Like you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be like, to right, yes. travel. I love that memory. Thanks for sharing that. We're going to get to your career in a moment because you've had so many highlights and I'm so glad you're here today. It's just a fun way to kind of connect with fans and get to know your personality.
3: Every interview is very, very similar. Every time is same questions and everything. And I feel like people, not just fans and just all the people who kind of know you as a tennis player, I think it's important that they could get to know you a bit from different sides. If they just read all the time the same things, it gets kind of boring. And yeah, you 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 know the player. You think he's a good player. He's a good like person and stuff. But sometimes when they read something like not ordinary about the player, I guess it's more interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, we're getting to know you today, and I. Know- I like
3: your show. I checked like some interviews, and I really enjoyed to listen because usually I'm not that kind of person who can really sit and listen the interview and stuff. So I I it.
0: Oh my gosh. What a compliment. I, I thank you so much. And it, it means a lot for you to say that because I know people want to get to know you. and it's it's been really hard because you're going through something that none of us are going through in our lives right now. It's something that that you have to deal with every single day. And I just want to say how very sorry I am to you, to your family, to your friends, to all the people of your country back home that have had to experience something so devastating, like what's going on back home in Ukraine. I, I heard you tell the story of how you had to flee France to escape and the bombing yeah. last year. It was so chilling. What are what are things like back home for you right now? What are things with your family like right now?
3: Oh, so my family right now, they're in Ukraine, in Odessa. And my mother and sister, they went back to Odessa from France when my grandfather died. Mm-hmm. And they are still there. Sometimes a couple of days. It's pretty calm over there, but mostly... All the time, my parents said that there are bombs and uh, Serena and drones are flying. So mm. mother and sister, a couple of times, they went underground. Mm. But in January, you know, people are getting used to it.
0: It's just so sad when you it's, say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: yes, because people want to leave. They want to live normal and they don't have anything to do with it. I hope it's going to be done as soon as possible. Because, you know, I remember when I was going back to Odessa, even though you know that in your place it's a little bit more safer than in other cities, it's still very scary when you are listening how the drone is flying, or when you have to go sleep or wake up with the Serena and with those like bombs and shooting. That's something that really affects on your mental health. I would say course. because every time you go, every time you go home, you feel like you're scared. Yeah. <laughs>
2: when
3: you when you Want to go back home and feel safe, where you just mm. always recover, get energy back. What I like to do a lot before the war started. every time I had the opportunity, I like to go back home because home is place where you where is your family where you where is your own energy you know, yeah. and that helps a lot to recover, not just physically but mentally, and especially when you travel a lot. I do like to travel, I love to travel. Because mostly players, they are getting tired of it. Me, no, I really enjoy. And I love playing tennis. I love traveling and seeing different places. Mm. But what I really feel that it's not enough for me, it's this feeling to go back home and to know that it's place where you can feel safe, where you can recover and go like back to tour, back to traveling, playing uh. tournament. So you, now life is pretty hard. Tournament, hotel, tournament, hotel, hotel, hotel. You have to travel with the bags. and um mm-hmm. yeah. Because it also takes a long trip to go back to Odessa. You have to always fly from to Moldova and from Moldova you need to drive by car and all the time you have to pass the border and it takes like for sure one and a half day of trip.
0: Diana, it's so it's so I'm so sorry. It's so devastating to hear what's been going on. It really is. And I I can't imagine how you concentrate. I mean, on tour, I will say there's one thing about you and your career that in my research and what we're going to talk about today, there's been so many instances in your career where you've been faced with these situations that are so unthinkable. And for some reason, when there's tragedy and chaos going on in your life and in your career, you're able to focus and play some fantastic tennis. And and I hope that there will soon be change. I, I got to say, I'm always looking for positives in the world. And, you know, I appreciate you talking about that that story today. And I know this is an odd transition, but I do want to say <laughs> there's some peaceful things going on in the world. And, and I am a big I know we talked about it before, but I am a a big Eurovision song contest fan. I, I know you don't know what that is, but Ukraine won last year and there was a lot of peace exactly. and it really helped, you know, the country a little bit in some way, maybe maybe for 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 fun maybe just for a split second of music and fun but...
3: okay let's let's check you who won the eurovision last year ukrainians what is the name of them
0: uh kush orchestra
3: yes what was the song
0: oh my gosh i i you think my Ukrainian Stefania. was that yes yeah symphony <laughs> yeah yes. I mean, it, was, it was so cool it was do really you know
3: fun. do you know i i actually i didn't know i didn't know those guys before <laughs> <laughs> when they won the eurovision i i started to follow them and stuff and one day i went to tiktok yeah. and there was the the live you know like oh, yeah. a fear if your live and i'm just going there and i'm saying like i'm sending the message like hi like nice oh to really, meet you. Oh, really? And there was the the guy who won the eurovision with the song stephania and he's saying like oh hi like Nice to meet you and stuff. And I was like, that's a nice like introducing to each other in TikTok. I was like, oh my God, first time I went to TikTok since long time.
0: Well, let me tell you why, because you're a big deal, Diana Yastremska. You're a big deal. And let me tell you why, because you know, Eurovision is one of my favorite times of the year. It's a great time for the world to kind of come together and just focus on, you know, music and not war and all these horrible things that are going on. It's so much fun. And you know what? Possibly he was excited because maybe in the future. Ukraine may have pop princess Diana Yastremska representing them at Eurovision because (laughs) we need to talk about this. I'm not sure if everyone out there listening knows this, but Diana is a total pop princess back home in the Ukraine. And she has some really fun music out. I mean, go to her YouTube, go to, you know, go listen on YouTube, go to Diana's Instagram. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify. One of the songs called My Favorite Track is so catchy. I have no idea what the hell you're saying at all, but I just want (laughs) to sing it all the time. How did those songs come together? Where did this start? This is so cool.
3: Oh, okay, so <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> you're even... like how does he know about this? And why are we talking about my music? <laughs> hey, you wanted something different. We're not talking about your forehand right now. We're gonna get to your forehand in a minute.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's something not useful for me to talk about my songs. It's not about my favorite shot on corn, you know? <laughs> so well, everything started during the COVID time. I wrote my first song. I have no idea why I started because before that I never ever in my life sing a song even not in karaoke (laughs) no not even karaoke come on i didn't have a lesson with a teacher i didn't have anything i wasn't even able to sing but then one day i wake up and i feel like okay i have to write a song how this came to my mind i have no idea but it's okay (laughs) i wrote a song i wrote a song i went to kiev to record it my first song so at five in the morning, I wake up with my father and I say, father, OK, we got to record my first song.
2: Oh, my God. My
3: father is like, oh, my God, you are crazy. I always knew that you have something wrong in your head. <laughs> I was like, OK, <laughs> OK. <laughs> so I took my sister. I took my father. I took my friend. And we went to keep to record my first song. It took me like seven hours to record my first song. Seven I was hours ask, in studio. That's
0: crazy. That is so Seven funny.
3: hours. Uh, after that, I recorded, I posted, and everything. Everybody said, "Oh, it's not bad, it's cool, and stuff." And I'm like, "Okay, maybe I have to write one more song." <laughs> so that's how I wrote my another song. It's about my car that I had, a white Mercedes. So it I was, love it. Uh, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's it the was the fun like my it. Man. and yes, <laughs> it's kind of more like hip hop song. It took me three hours to record it. (laughs) And every song, the second, the third, the fourth song, it took me less time to record than the first one. I don't know how it works. And then I recorded third song for my father. And the last song, it's about, I don't know actually about what, but I posted it after you so open, I think uh, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's about, it's more about love, about trust to each other. I don't know why I wrote this kind of song, but something was inside me telling me I have to, I have I mean, to
2: it's like express
3: my emotions in this song.
0: <laughs> I love that. And you're writing, you're, you're recording. This is like, it's so great. It's such great art. Congratulations. I mean, you're in...
3: I have three songs more. I have three songs more, but they are right now.
0: Do you hear that, everyone? Here's the scoop. Oh, are we getting an <laughs> album soon? Is that what's happening? Are we going to release them?
3: No. <laughs> because I decided I'm not going to release anymore. I'm not going to do that. I wanted to release one song last year in February, but that war started. And then I decided I'm not going to do that. And I feel like I don't want to do that anymore because every time I was uh, releasing the song while I play tennis, I got a lot of negative messages about that I have to focus more on my tennis career and stuff. I, I guess people like to judge you without knowing that everything is going on in your life. So I was a bit, you know, tired of reading that after I was losing the match, that you are you are recording the songs while you have to practice more tennis and stuff. I really wanted to write the song. It takes me three days, three days in my life. But I'm practicing six times per week, like by six hours, and it's yeah. always different. And if I'm losing the match, it's not because of me recording the song. Of course not. And if I'm a tennis player, it doesn't mean that I don't have other things that I like to do and that I can do. And it doesn't mean that I don't have to live with another life. Of course, you have to put your priorities in the right way. But recording the songs, I think it's just something like a hobby. It was like a hobby.
0: Of course. And I think we're going to realize today a lot of what you've had to deal with, especially on social media. We're going to talk a little bit later about some of these you know the the haters in tennis too fuck the haters diana i mean come on
3: yes exactly i'm not yeah i'm not paying attention on them and i don't have a i don't have negative thoughts about them or something good i just accept everything whatever they text whatever they write whatever they think whatever they whatever you know yeah <laughs> so i'm used to it you know and sometimes people writing right things in, in comments and i i really like to read my comments in social media because People can see some things from the side about your Mm -hmm. tennis, about your game. And uh, mostly I can get some things from those messages for like in one box, you know, Mm. and maybe I can, and maybe I can work on that, you know, and it helps.
0: That's fascinating to hear, by the way, that you're so open to those comments and to the outside, because most people get so focused on you know, their camp or their team or the things that they're trying. And that's really interesting that you say that.
2: No,
3: I like when I like when people give me some advices and that when they can talk about my game or about my life. But I don't like when They're writing bad things after my loss in matches and they start to write about doping, about um, about a lot of things. They're going to go to the negative. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I know that I'm clean. I know that I won all my courts. I I know why I'm losing. I know what is going on in my life. And it's sometimes it's so funny to read how they're writing that, you know. Or how they, how some people can write like, fuck you, fuck Ukraine. I hope your parents gonna die there. And I hope the Russians gonna kill you and stuff. Mm. And you know, it doesn't really affect on me, but. What I don't really like it's when people are writing about the doping, because I know that I'm clean, you know,
0: we're going to address it because I, I think it's important that we talk about it because yeah. we even had it with Bouchard and Bouchard made a mistake. She had to, you know, obviously apologize and take back what she said. I mean, it was we're talking about it now. Let's just kind of address it. And we can go into your career because it's important. We're going to clear the air really quick because it's important to know this. In January of 2021, the ITF had announced that you'd failed a drug test and you were provisionally suspended from the tour. You immediately came forward and declared your innocence and it took almost six months. But on June 22nd, 2021, the ITF came out with a statement pretty much apologizing to you and saying, and I quote, that you bore no fault or negligence for the positive test and you were immediately reinstated and were able to play on the tour again. First, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I cannot imagine. We're talking about the war. We're talking about your grandfather, these horrible things that have happened to you. You've had probably some of the worst months of your life because not only are you not able to compete, you can't do your job, you can't make money, and the amount of horrible, disgusting, and vile, and I have chills right now, actually, just thinking about it, what you received was almost too much to handle. I can't imagine where you were mentally at that point. How were you able to handle those six months?
3: Yeah, I can... I can explain it everything like in a short way i know whatever is not killing you making you stronger (laughs) that was the thought always in my head and uh, about the situation with doping yeah everything is reading in the internet everything is the way it is there is no my fault and uh, i'm completely clean i always been clean i always been fair i always been thinking, and my yeah. family that sport is all about your abilities, all about your talent, all about how much you work, not about some things that can affect not by the natural way, you know. And we and my family against that always been, and my family always was looking for my health uh, really well. And the most important thing is, in the end, I won the court, of course, and I clean up my reputation, I clean up my my name, and of course those eight months actually not six but okay. eight months it was i don't know how to explain it every day i was practicing and every day mm-hmm. you wake up and you hope that soon it's gonna be done soon it's gonna be court but every time they were saying that we need some more time we need some more time mm-hmm. think and make some things together and only then you can have a court so my nerves, i think they were gone <laughs> no. like my mental uh, mental health, it was gone. And after I won the court, I went fast to Paris. The next morning, I fly to Paris to make a visa to go for a Wimbledon tournament. Mm. But but they withdrew me from Wimbledon. Yeah, They withdrew me from Wimbledon when I could play, when I was in the draw. When I already won the court and main draw was starting in a couple of days. That's just, just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yes. And it's them fault for by drawing me from the Wimbledon when I could play there. And except Wimbledon, I went to Germany for 250k. And that's also really like hit me to my mind that I was really waiting for this day when I had the court. I was really happy that I'm going for Wimbledon for, yeah. for the first tournament after I clean up my name and stuff. And then you have to play another tournament. And since that, my comeback was very long, very stressful, and a lot of messages about doping and stuff. And I'm not angry and I'm not sad about what I'm reading in social media. Before, before, it was really, really hard mentally. And I was working with a lot of psychologists about it. But, you know, it's in the past.
2: Yeah, it's, it's in, in the, the past.
3: past it's in the past and you know same time with the problems that i had doping i also had a lot of problems in my private life mm-hmm. because of how this happened and uh yeah I- i'm proud of myself i'm proud of myself because yeah. i'm still you know like here talking to you ex- <laughs> explaining you everything and saying that it was in the past
0: i mean if anybody listening out there i you know obviously there's been a lot of you know questions over the years i want you to go out send diana some great social media love i mean to be able to talk about this today with with someone she's just meeting and to to clear her name i mean this is such a beautiful thing that you just did and i appreciate that and and i think the support that you're going to get and the support you've been getting this past year it's really going to change a lot of maybe how you feel on the court and maybe off the court. So thanks. And here we go. Let's...
3: Yeah, now much better. <laughs> yes,
0: much better. Now let's talk about your tennis because there's so many great highlights and you know we're, we're already halfway through the show today and I want to get into your tennis because there's been so much to unpack from your years moving up the WTA rankings. So I've compiled the most popular topics that your fans want answers to. The topics today range from the beginning of your career all the way to your life today on tour in Florence, right before your birthday. So let's jump right in and get to know the career of Diana Alexandrivna, Yasremska, let's do this. All right. <laughs> all right, I'm going to start today by traveling all the way back, Diana, into your tennis mind. Do you remember the very first match you remember watching live or on television as a kid? Do you remember the first pro match that you ever watched?
3: Yeah, that was uh, Serena Williams playing against Maria Sharapova.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's, a, I mean, a classic rivalry. Yeah. Can we talk about your early start in tennis? Because I know you grew up in Odessa, Ukraine. And you also have a sister, Ivana, who's 16. Yeah, a
3: younger sister. Yeah, yeah, she's 16.
0: You've already played a couple pro-level tournaments with her as well. This is so fun. I love it.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I know a little bit of your backstory. I've also read in interviews that you're very close to your family. And it was really nice to hear, especially from you as a player, that you've had such a strong relationship with your family. Because we've heard so many horrible stories over the years. I know you've acknowledged their sacrifices in your career. Looking back on your childhood, do you think think that maybe there was one or two maybe important points that your family helped you with or that you, that you feel like attributed towards your success today?
3: From day one till today, day, my family always been close by me and always been supporting me, helping me and in everything, like in everything. My parents with me in tennis since I'm five years old and my father didn't miss no one practice. Wow. Since I was young. And my mother, she always been traveling with me. And even though my sister, she started to play tennis because she wanted to be more close to me.
2: Yeah. And
3: our family, I'm very proud of us because we always try to stay together. We always try to to move in one direction. And my parents, they, I guess, they sacrificed for a lot of things mm-hmm. uh, to help me be where I am right now. Of course, I could be in a different position, but whatever happens, it happens. It's experience, it's life. And no matter of what was going on in my life, my father and my mother and all our family always been believing in me and always been telling me that that's my road and I'm going to get where I have to be. And my grandfather, as I said earlier, he died on 26th of April when I was in Madrid. But he was the person who could bring me to tennis, who opened for me the um, this tennis life and he bring me to my first practice and until I was twelve years old we were living all our big family were living in one like big house where is a lot of apartments. Wow. And and my all childhood I spent that on one floor down with my with my grandparents, with my grandfather. And I remember a lot of nice things. And I really do miss him a lot because last time that I saw him, it was in the beginning of April, before I had to leave to Antalya to play the Villaging Cup. And I saw him in the hospital and he couldn't really talk. But I asked him, can I get your gold star? You know, he was working in police. And there is pictures in my Instagram where you can see all all his stars and everything and when i was in the hospital he said for the first time hello because before he didn't talk and when he saw me since half year mm-hmm. before that we didn't see for 6 months and uh, when i asked him or oh, can i get this gold star he said yes i can because oh. that was the most important like trophy for him you know in his uh, whole working life oh. and uh, he said that he will go with me for olympics games next year but unfortunately he won't be able to go but I'm sure he will be there up watching me and supporting me
0: he will be there in spirit he's going to be there watching you the next time you win your title and all the titles you're going to win for your future so thanks for sharing that yeah it was
3: very hard it was very hard because in my family first time happens like that with me Mm -hmm. this kind of experience that someone is dying so this period from Madrid till the tournament that I have played before Rome. I think I was inside, I was, I was dead. <laughs> I was dead and, and yeah, but yeah. after that, I made a tattoo. <laughs> I made a tattoo.
0: Oh, is that the tattoo? Diana showing a tattoo right now, her new tattoo. It's written, it's like a scripture yeah. that's written on your arm. What does it say?
3: It's written on my name, on, on my na- <laughs> It's written on, in my language. And the first sentence I have here is the sentence from my father. The second sentence is from my mother. And the third sentence is from my sister. And why I took this idea, why I wanted to make this kind of free sentences, because after my grandfather died, I felt like I remember a lot of things that he was telling me always. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I felt like it's not enough just to just to know what person been telling you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that as long as I have my family close to me, as long as they're living, I want to get one sentence from each of my parents and of my sister that gonna lead me forward by my life. And mm-hmm. I decided to put it in my hand so so I can read it. And you know, I feel like right now my family is close to me because this tattoo is in my arm.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, how beautiful. And
3: yeah, maybe one day I'm going to make something else. (laughs) <laughs> but for now I have just pre-tattoos
0: <laughs> hey who knows we've got the family in the future we got the kids we got the husband we got anybody you know this is gonna be we're gonna have the whole the whole arm I love it
3: <laughs> no 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 I told myself only only two tattoos in my body in whole life but now I have pre-tattoos so one tattoo I'm taking out right now
2: <laughs> oh yeah okay
0: alright alright all right. that's good gossip
3: <laughs> but they're invisible they're they are invisible because they're on my ribs yeah <laughs> <Here, here. laughs> yeah
0: well <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I, I love that you're so close to your family. And it really must have helped you, especially as a junior, because you you were in the right hands and you were such a fantastic junior player, you would make an important Orange Bowl final early on in your junior career, you would reach the Wimbledon girls singles final as well as the Australian Open doubles final. And all that success, you really had only played three junior tournaments, you know, getting to that Wimbledon final must have been so amazing to feel that especially with your family around you do you have a fun memory from that tournament and wimbledon do you remember any of that
2: and- yeah the
3: finals with those challenges oh my god <laughs> i think what? i don't know how i saw those balls and how many times i guess in the last game in the finals that was super funny like you have to watch the highlight of this match.
2: <laughs> it's okay oh, we have <laughs> so to go
3: back funny. and
0: watch that okay that's so funny
3: <laughs> that's what i remember the most oh no and also yeah. also i remember the dress that i had for my finals it was super windy every time i tried to surf i couldn't serve because it was going up it was flat <laughs> This situation was playing with my nerves. It was really playing. And I tried to be focused and calm because of my dress, not because of finals. That's right. Not because of my dress. That's
0: so funny. That's so funny. It didn't take you long to adjust to be beating more seasoned players on tour. And that same year in 2016, you'd win your first of three ITF Pro tournaments. The first one being in Brazil, beating now top 30 player Jill Teichman along the way, who... By the way, seven years later, you just beat Jill the other day, which is like so fun. I mean, it's so interesting to see that you've been playing these same players all these years. I mean, crazy how we're talking about how time flies, right? It's crazy. That first title was at 15 years old. Uh, Amazing. You were still playing junior events at that same time of winning that title. Did you think maybe going into that? Did you think, oh my gosh, I'm winning pro tournaments already at 15. This is going to be a lot easier than I thought when I started playing pro tennis.
3: No, I didn't think so. Because I knew that I'm putting too much work every day. Yeah. And that wasn't easy. No, that wasn't easy because I had to do everything by myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get a lot of opportunities with the bike cards and everything. So mm-hmm. I have to climb by the mountains by myself. <laughs> Yeah, with my family,
0: <laughs> it was a mountain, but it happened very quickly. I mean, you you didn't just climb slowly. You, you ran up the mountain because you would play your first. I tried w-
3: my best. <laughs> you, you
0: did. You did. You'd play your first WTA main draw in Istanbul in 2016. And the very next year in 2017, at that same event, you'd get your first WTA win. And it was against one of my very favorite people, Andre Petkovic, who Andrei is yeah. so amazing. She And you'd make your very first quarterfinal as well. I'm guessing that was an important match for you because you're playing the year before you're it's your first tournament. And then the very next year, you can see the progress of how great you've been playing in that year.
3: Exactly. And also, also I was practicing at this club. Oh. So yeah, I was practicing at this club. It was in Istanbul. It's not far from Odessa. And the all people who was there in this club in this academy. They knew me really well. So I really wanted to win. And I think the year before, when I lost for the first time, there on my first double team match, I, I felt like a lot of pressure played at mm-hmm. center court and I really wanted to win. <laughs> yeah. But next year, I think I got already some more experience with matches in RTFs and it's gotten much easier. Yeah. But this match I remember really like very well. Against Andrea? against Andrea
0: I mean she's I will
3: never I will never forget the shot that I made it was even the shot of the day how I was running on my forehand side sliding and making like short cross winner somehow I don't know and I was losing this game lap 14 then I won this game and it was a very important game, I think, in second set, probably the first set. But this match, I remember really nice.
0: <laughs> I mean, beating Petko on clay was never easy, never, never easy. In 2017, you continued to improve, Diana, and beat some great players. You beat Irina Sabalenka and Donna Vekic back-to-back at an 100k ITF event. And wins like those helped you finish the year in the world's top 150. Now let's jump ahead. I want to go to 2018 for a second because your ranking would continue to climb and you'd win your very first WTA title in Hong Kong. What a cool moment. I want to talk about Hong Kong for a second because winning that tournament at the end of 2018 would really set up the success you had for 2019. What do you remember about winning your first WTA title? I mean, you beat a a great player in the (laughs) final, Zhang Zhang Wang in the final. Come on, you win your first title. That's amazing.
3: I remember. Oh my god! I arrived to Hong Kong and I still wasn't in the draw. <laughs> I wasn't. In, I wasn't in the list because I was first. No, I was second out, and oh. I didn't know will I get in or I'm not gonna get into this tournament. And no the way. last minute before they started to make the draw, they said you got in. I was like, oh my god, I'm so happy! And it was a hard tournament for me, but I felt like everything going in so easy there. Like the vibe and the atmosphere mm-hmm. and the matches was pretty hard. And I remember the semifinals, I was losing first set 5-2 and then second set also similar score. But then in the end, I won. And I was there with my coach and with my mother. So yeah, the finals, I was super nervous. <laughs> I think I felt like I don't understand what is going on. <laughs> because it was the first time for me. So I just went on court and I just put it a goal that I have to fight for for every ball. And I wasn't afraid of nothing, like no nothing. And I won this match. I won the finals. And the last game, it was like 15 minutes with my match points. <laughs> and when I won, the first thing I did is I ran to my mother to hug her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. it was really nice.
0: That's a huge moment. I mean, I'm so glad your parents were there to see. I mean, that uh, was amazing. I mean, especially how close your, you are to your mom. It, it was a really important time for you, too, because it was actually the first time I had seen you play. I remember watching that final and thinking, "Oh my gosh, she's she's so incredible." I mean, these ground strokes, this powerful game that you possess, it was so fun to watch. The next week, you would continue to play great tennis. You beat Garbina Muguruza, who was 13 in the world at the time. You beat her in Luxembourg, and you'd finish the year in the top 60 to finish an incredible year for yourself. It, it really was nice. Now, I want to go to 2019 for a second because we're we're speeding right along here. We're in our tennis time machine, and I want to talk about 2019 because this is the year in particular that really established you diana as a power player in the wta so let's jump into 2019 we're in our tennis time machine we're listening to something on the radio 2019 we have Dua Lipa. we have i don't know we have a little juice by lizzo in in the car right now that's 2019 music do you listen to music before you go on to the court
2: are you not really
0: no you
2: like no
3: i like i like to i like to listen music when i'm doing the warm-up okay or just in my room but before my mattress like one hour before i don't really like to listen music okay yeah i like Mm -hmm. to play i like i like to play candy crush
0: (laughs) you know what it's so funny because bethany maddox sands was on the show recently and she said before matches she like plays this game on her phone like it's addicting because she just needs to focus on one thing before she goes onto the court and just like starts playing so that's good candy crush making the comeback
3: but i i started i started to play candy crush before madrid
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're new you're to Candy Crush.
3: Yeah, my father is playing Candy Crush. He has level <laughs> like 4,000 something. <laughs> <laughs> and me level 200 now.
0: <laughs> okay, I have a fun game for you too. I'll, I'll send you one all right we're in 2019 COVID doesn't exist you know Serena's still playing Roger still playing they're not retired yet it's the good old days you played your first main draw in Australia and you reached the third round and you'd have to play legend after legend you beat Sam Stoser in the first round in her home country which must have been so tough I mean amazing
3: oh yeah Whew.
0: I mean come on right there then you be so Carly- I mean so emotional she you know poor Sam just playing the crowds
3: were going crazy <laughs> I can imagine but I I like it I like it even though they were supporting her I I really enjoyed playing
0: oh my god Oh my gosh. I mean, but then you had, it didn't get easier because you had to play Serena Williams in the third round. So I want to talk about that because it was yeah. your first time playing Serena. What was that experience like playing Serena when we're talking about crowd favorites? I mean, you you had it against you there. Too. <laughs> I mean, it's Serena, right?
3: Uh, I think it was first time in my career that I have to play that big court. It was yeah. the biggest course that I ever played. And I didn't really understand what happened. (laughs) I just went to court and I went out of there. (laughs) I think I still was with my brain. I still was a little bit like a child because I wasn't really prepared, you know, for this match. But the experience, it was, it was nice. Yeah, it was, it was fun.
0: (laughs) You know, you say it's positive when you leave the court, but I, uh, something happened at that Australian Open that I'd love to talk about because I know how close you are to your family. And I read this and I thought
3: oh yes it happened with my mother this
0: was so 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 scary and i'd love for you to tell people because when we talk about all these tragedies that you've had to go through and all these things in your career that you've had to overcome and the focus and the chaos around you here's a story let me see if i get it right i'm not sure many people know this but while in australia after that serena match a champagne bottle exploded in your mother's hands damaging her eye and the injury was so severe they had to rush her to the emergency room in australia to save her eye and it's one of those freak accidents in life that you just you appreciate life and you say oh my gosh you know like something could happen to you in two seconds and it could change the yeah, entire can course. you
3: imagine can you imagine walking in the room and seeing your mother with a with a glass in her eye Ugh, and no, I can't. the blood is going down and oof, as i remember it's crazy and uh, thanks god we could save the eye because now it's it's all good but uh, still she's looking for her eye and we're making the test and everything she got a lot of operations but important now is everything is okay but yeah if you want like to get to know more about it you can check it in the internet and you can see there even the pictures of her eye it was like a hole in her eye like a real hole
0: it's unbelievable and the more unbelievable thing is that she after i
3: went to thailand exactly i went to thailand i won this tournament and i uh, i said that this win goes to my mother i didn't want to go there i didn't want to go to thailand but my mother said that i have to go and play so i went i arrived to to thailand i didn't want to practice i didn't want to do anything and then my father and sister arrived to me to thailand And then somehow I won the tournament. Not somehow, of course, I knew why I won. I was really motivated to win this tournament for my mother. And at this tournament, I realized what is a real fear and what is a fake fear. Mm -hmm. And making the mistake with the yellow ball is nothing comparing to what you see in real life going on with the eye of my mother. Exactly. So when you you see the difference, when you see reality and fake feelings that you put by yourself in your own head, it's... um, it's helped me a lot for
0: winning this tournament. For those that are listening, I mean, she, Diana Ostromsko would go on to win her second title right after that incident in Huahin and play some amazing tennis, coming back, winning 7-6 in the third against Ayla Tamjanovic. You were down pretty deep in that third set, too. I mean, what a great final. You'd go on to win your second title of the year in Strasbourg, another 7-6 in the third final against Caroline Garcia. You love those dramatic matches. I think that's so cool. I mean, go back and look at the stats. Anybody listening, go back and see who won back-to-back tournaments. Seven, six in the third. I mean, that's that's pretty cool, I would say. Not to be outdone, you'd play your fourth round at Wimbledon, defeating Sofia Kennan that year. And it was really, really great year for you, for sure. After Wimbledon, you'd go on to beat number one's Vika Azarenka, Caroline Pliskova, and Caroline Wozniacki. And you'd qualify for the WTA Elite Trophy in Zhuhai, China. Diana, you've beaten so many, so many players, amazing legends, future Hall of Famers. If there yeah, was a match-
3: sometimes, I just think that it's really unfair what is going on in my life because I watch now who is top twenty, and I I know that I mostly I played with all of them, and mostly I won all of them. With someone I still didn't play, and I know that my place is over there in top. But because of so many things going on, sometimes you just don't have power, you don't have energy, you don't have. The way you've been before, you know, before all the problems started. Yeah. So right now I'm really motivated and I'm very, I don't know how to explain it. I just really want to get, I don't want to get there where I've been before. I just want to get myself back just to, to be myself again, like I've been before yeah. when I was a little bit younger, before all the things started to happen in my life. I just want to be on court. I want to enjoy. I want to play with this energy that I had when I was younger. And I'm looking for this. And every single day, I'm trying to, yeah, together, just, yeah, mentally together.
0: Is there a match if we had to go back into your history, if you had to go and pick one match from your career that you could YouTube and say, this is the match that I played the absolute best? This is how I want to play every single time that I'm on court. Was there a match that you felt like you just kicked so much ass and you felt so strong and powerful on the court that you were unbeatable?
3: Oh, there is there is a lot of matches like this, but okay. I cannot Good. choose just one match. <laughs> I cannot choose just one match because, you know, when you feel the way how you just explain it, I don't think it means like really like that, that you played an amazing. I think it means that the other player wasn't in the right, uh, okay. <laughs> in the right point, you know, because it, tennis is not only about yourself, not only about you. It depends also from another player. So I will say that I play good and I play great when the opponent is playing a good level as well.
2: Okay, I love that.
3: So the the higher level play, the, the more interesting and more nice game, you know? Yeah. Your level of the game depends not only from you. Sometimes you can show amazing game against like top 10 player. But when you play a girl like over 100, you can play completely differently. Yeah. And you don't understand why your level is not there. You know, you always get better when you play with better players.
0: Well, it makes sense because 2020 opened and in Adelaide, you'd get to the biggest final of your career playing some fantastic tennis. When we talk about great players, you'd be Babos and Vekic and Kerber and Sabalenka before playing Ash Barty in a very tight match. You climbed to number 21 in the world as well. I know we're wrapping up the show today, but I I have a couple more questions. I I do want to say for a birthday present, if I were to give you a birthday gift today and I were to say... You have the power to replay any match in your career to redo. Which one would you pick? Is there one? Maybe the fourth round at Wimbledon. Maybe that Barty match. I mean, is there one that you would say, "Okay, I want to redo that match"?
3: Mm, I have to choose only one match from WTA.
0: (laughs) It could be yeah. Any maybe a practice. Is it a practice match? Did you? (laughs) Do you want to pick? Uh,
3: No, I think I will choose a tournament when I was young, when I was twelve years old, and I played junior orange ball under 12 years old finals
0: that's the match you're picking where you got to the final wow why because you you were very upset after that match what was the
3: no i lost in the finals and i think that was the the first tournament for me like the biggest tournament the biggest rattle that i have made Mm -hmm. and the person who wins the children who wins the orange ball it's like the champion of the world you know Yeah.
2: yeah under
3: 12 So I lost in the finals. And before this finals, I was talking actually to my grandfather and I promised him that I will win the finals.
2: Oh, okay. So
3: that's why I really wanted to replay this. That's why I wanted to replay this match. (laughs) In WTA, I don't want to replay anything. I'm very grateful for everything that I had, for all the matches, for all the experiences. And I was losing where I was winning. And every player has his own way, own road. So I am right now where I am and I have a goals, I have dream, and I have motivation. And <laughs> I have a, right now a good vibe <laughs> working on myself, working on my tennis game. No matter if we take everything that is behind war and grandfather and uh, all the problems and stuff, if we put away, I'm, I'm happy that I'm still able to compete.
0: So no regrets. You have no regrets from your time. I mean, you were put into the spotlight. It's I have re-
3: I have just one regret in okay. my life is making mistakes that I was doing. And because of those mistakes, I lost a lot of time,
2: mm-hmm.
3: a lot of time. But it's more about the private life. Yeah. It's not about tennis. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, it's very
3: important to think twice before you have to do something or before you have to choose someone or before you have to make any decision because to build something it takes a lot of time but to destroy something it takes one second and mm. before i couldn't realize that mm. but now i do realize how important it is to to be all the time cold and fresh with your mind to be able to make the right decisions and be really fair just to yourself because if you lie to yourself nothing gonna work because there is a system and this system holds only if you do everything right right.
0: I mean that's so powerful I mean that is the best advice we're gonna get of the week for sure we have one last question Diana I just I do want to mention in 2022 I I wanted to mention that you played in a 250 WTA event in Lyon France and you made it all the way to the final it was right when the war broke out and you dedicated all of your prize money to, to the relief back home in Ukraine I thought that was so beautiful you've played Billie Jean King Cup you played in the olympics you're going to play in another olympics i'm sure i know your country is very important to you and players like you and elena svitolina have been so vocal during this horrible time so i wanted everyone out there listening to know that you i'm
3: trying yeah i'm trying to help i'm trying to help my country as i can i have my foundation and since the war started we opened the humanitarian corridor with spain
0: where can people donate? can you can you give us the name of the of the foundation so people can go and visit?
3: The name of foundation is Dia. but all the requisites and stuff we still didn't post nothing because for us, it's not what is the most important. it's to give the requisites, you know so people send money. It's not about that. It's about a real help, you know. Yeah. And we, since the war started, we opened the humanitarian corridor with Spain and we received more than 90 tons of humanitarian things. And we base all the things that we get from Spain in Adessa. Mm. In one big garage and after we were sent to different cities and soon the, the website is going to be ready for my foundation year, and I'm going to post the, the link and everything in Instagram. And of course, of course, before I wasn't really focusing, not really focusing on that, but as as much as possible, if we're going to get help from people. That will be very nice.
0: Of course. We'll definitely make sure we post that as well. You've done so many great things, Diana. We've talked about your titles that you've won. We've talked about the great players you've beaten. Our final question today, what are your goals for the rest of the year? Where can your fans and where can people listening support you? And where do you want to get back to? And what's your what's your ultimate goal in tennis? Um,
3: before, sorry, before I always been saying and answering on that question that I want to get like top 20 or I want to win a tournament or something. But right now I wish just one thing, it's to find myself, it's Mm -hmm. to stay healthy and just to get where I can get, you know. I don't put any limits. I don't put any numbers. I just want to imperfect myself and day by day get better and better. And where I'm going to get, the only God knows. So I trust him and I'm sure he trusts me and I will live with day by day. (laughs)
0: I mean, today has been so amazing. We've gotten to know you, Diana, so well today, and I'm so, so happy. I can't thank the fantastic Diana Yastrzemska for joining me today. I highly recommend that you go support her tennis journey on social media. You can follow her on Instagram at Diana underscore, Diana underscore or on Twitter at D underscore Go listen to her music. You can find it on YouTube or, or hear it on her Instagram page or on Spotify, Apple Music. It's so fun. Diana, thank you so much for joining. This was thank you so, so much. great. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Yes. We'll be cheering you. for you. While you're on Instagram, shoot thank me a you. message at John Garica. Let me know who you're a big fan of and who you'd like to hear on an upcoming show. Also, don't forget to follow us at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter at Fantennis Pod. My name is John Garica, and thank you for listening. This has been fantastic.